one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Oh, I heard that so much. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. Yeah, we're not quite as good as what we think we are. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That's the dumbest thing I could think of. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to Beyond the Game. Star Wars weekend is here. May the sports be with you. I'm Rick Benson, and as always, I'm joined by our producer, Zach Barletta. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, or you can give them a call, 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. You can interact with the program on Twitter at BTG Program or by visiting our website, btgprogram.com. You remember Royce Clayton, Zach? Yeah, the shortstop. Yeah, he played like, I don't know, 15 years. He played a long time. Several different teams, I think, probably spent the most time with the Giants, Cardinals. I know he was with the Rangers for a while. Rolling Stone Magazine recently did an interesting piece on Clayton who started a business called Music Locker. Music spelled M-U-S-I-Q. Music Locker. He creates custom personalized walk-up songs. His desire is to pair players with a team of writers, team of producers, to design a song tailored to each batter. Oh, so they're actually like writing songs for these players. Custom made. Custom made. So far, the company's got 12 players signed up, most notably Nelson Cruz of of the Mariners. And for the player, they actually get a piece of any publishing royalties if they actually publish what they Uh write. Rolling Stone reports that most of the players so far has opted to donate the money from royalties to charities. Clayton says he's given players what they really want in their walk-up music, their own superhero theme. He also says it's a new way to attract young fans to the game. And as I said, it's finally here. Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. I'm so excited. Has hit theaters. And we're doing, obviously, you've probably picked up by now, we're on board with doing a Star Wars-themed show. I have not seen a merchandising machine like the Star Wars since nope. since Kiss Army. And those of you old enough to remember know that the rock band Kiss had their licenses and logos on on everything and anything you could imagine. Lunch pails, alarm clocks, hockey jerseys. You could even get an authentic Kiss casket to be buried in. Oh, man. Similarly... I'm seeing Star Wars the same way. Even jewelry manufacturers are pushing Star Wars items. Star Wars and sports, uh, they've been a match for a long while now, and they've only amped it up even more with this anticipation of release of Episode Seven. Is there a stadium anywhere that you can think of this year that didn't do a Star Wars theme night? No, there were base, minor league baseball parks, hockey teams. It was all over the place. The Los Angeles Angels even selling Jedi rally monkeys at their kiosks. <laughs> Star Wars nights in Major League Baseball averaged around 35,000 fans per game this season, which is about 5,000 higher than their average. So Star Wars nights were a draw. Minor league teams, that they went all out by dressing their players in Star Wars-related uniforms. You remember the Bisons, the Buffalo Bisons, for example, wore 
Jedi warrior robe jerseys. The Birmingham Barons wore Stormtrooper jerseys. The Durham Bulls wore Golden C-3PO jerseys. <laughs> the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs wore jerseys that displayed Han Solo and uh, sealed in the carbonite. And there were others as well. I, I, I remember you tweeted out the Portland Sea Dogs wearing Chewbacca jerseys. See, I wouldn't want to wear the Stormtrooper jerseys because then your team wouldn't be able to hit anything. A well-known Star Wars groupie, Toronto Blue Jays R.A. Dickey admits he's often worn a Star Wars t-shirt under his jersey. <laughs> and not to be left out, hockey gets into it pretty heavily as well. The Anaheim Ducks not long ago had their ice-cleaning girls dressed as Princess Leia as they shoveled the ice shavings off during breaks. And no, it was the standard white Leia costume, not what she wore with Jabba the Hutt. And the Omaha Lancers of the USHL recently wore helmets resembling the X-Wing fighter helmet that Luke Skywalker wears in that 1977 original. Oh, that's awesome. Of course, many stadiums, they play Darth Vader's theme music when introducing their visitors and, mm -hmm. or as batters step to the box or skaters head to the penalty box, things such as this. And, of course, they play the good guy music, whatever they call that, for their own guys. Of course, fans, you're dressed here in front of me. You're in the studio dressed as Chewbacca <laughs> yeah. for radio. For radio. I'm into uh, the spirit of it. Well, I, I, I am committed it. to the Star Wars episode. I'm all in. Well, fans go to the, any sports stadium. You're, you're bound to run into a Darth Vader or a Stormtrooper. Storm and, of course, we promised we're not going to give away the ending other than to say this. Scarlet, Candlestick, Conservatory. <laughs> it's always the Conservatory. Coming up later on the program, we've got, I think, two very interesting interviews. We'll be talking with Paul Waller of the Christian Sports Medicine Alliance about sports injuries, their ministry, and the role of athletic trainers. We'll also talk with Ron Dock. Ron was the intervention coordinator for the past 17 years with the New York Yankees. He's co-founder of the Daryl Strawberry Recovery Center in Florida. Plus, I've got some thoughts on Pete Rose. We'll, of course, give you our Pest of the Week, all coming up this week on Beyond the Game. Have you been hearing some strange noises up in the attic or in other parts of your house? Well, it's that time of year again. Mice, squirrels, and other critters are making their way into your homes to escape the cold weather. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today and they will take care of the problem. They'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably. Town & Country is also equipped to handle bed bug problems. Early detection is key, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024. That's 426-5024. Town & Country's initial treatment success rate and their guarantee are well above industry average. And when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you, Town & Country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have. Remember, Town & Country fears nothing but God. So call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426 5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. The new self-titled album from the Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify. No, I am the father. 
feelings, you know it to be true. Ron Dock has been the intervention coordinator for the New York Yankees for the past 17 years before recently stepping down. He also works for the Daryl Strawberry Recovery Center. In fact, is a co-founder of the Daryl Strawberry Recovery Center. Ron himself is celebrating 23 years in recovery and has dedicated his life to helping others struggling with drug and alcohol addiction. Welcome to the program, Ron. It is truly a great honor to speak with you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. After working with such stars as Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, and others, why now? Why is this the right time for you to step down from the Yankees? <laughs> Good question. Um, I gave them uh, 17 great years. I had a blast with the Yankee organization. Uh, and it was just, you know, I just felt spiritually it was a time to go. There's nothing else I can do here. I wanted to do some different things, uh, such as working with the Dallas Strawberry Recovery Center here in St. Cloud, uh, Florida. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life to work with one of the greatest teams on the planet, the New York Yankees. Thanks to the visionary, the vision, excuse me, of, uh, George Steinbrenner and, uh, Mark Newman, who was a uh, vice president of our player development at the time, who had this vision to help players get back into their workforce instead of, you know, sitting them down or, you know, ostracizing them, but to get them the treatment they needed and to get them back on the field. Not just the players, the staff too. You know, there for the whole organization. I understand that your own addiction led you to being homeless for a number of years. What is it that made you decide at that time to get your life back on track? Very good question. Um, I was 17. I went into the Marine Corps. And the day I turned 18, I went into Vietnam. And um, over there, I was traumatized. And um, I was introduced into opiates and alcohol. And I brought that addiction on with me. And I ran with that addiction for uh, the next quite a few years, as a matter of fact, until 19, uh, October 5th, 1992. What had happened, um, I became homeless. I worked for New York City Sanitation Department. I couldn't keep a job because I'd rather get high. I lost my wife, my kids, and uh, was beaten down to the point of suicide, being locked up by police. You know, I did some time in jail for, you know, uh, drug charges. And I just got tired of life, and uh, it was either uh, that or die. And I thought I was going to die. So I had to surrender. And by the grace of God, I did. I will never forget the day that I did surrender. It was uh, a spiritual awakening for me. And I've been on the right track ever since. And uh, one of the greatest gifts I have, because I asked God, why did he pick me? And that's to carry the message. That's all he wants me to do is to help the next person. 23 years later, you have a successful marriage. You're well-respected in your field. And as a native of the Bronx, you've gotten to work with the New York Yankees. Now, I know it's not all been a fairy tale. I'm certain there has been plenty of struggles along the way. What has been your key to success and avoiding temptations that could potentially lead to a relapse? Good question. Uh, Number one, being very humble and uh, never forgetting that last high, how I felt inside that desperation. You know, that uh, despair, you know, uh, the humiliation I uh, brought upon my family. I still go to 12-step meetings on a regular basis. I surround myself with people that are not using. You know, I don't have drugs in my house. My wife, who's an angel, she's extremely supportive. My mother, by the grace of God, will be turning 95 in January. Oh, amen. And, amen, yeah. And I honestly believe watching me recover and... Yeah, doing the thing I'm doing has really enriched her life because I'm a triplet. 
two of them OD. One at 19 years old in my mother's bathtub. My mother found them with a needle on them. Mm. The other one, um, I had a year and a half sober. He hung himself because he couldn't uh, come to grips with his alcoholism. And my third brother, uh, three years ago, died of a kidney failure because he had a kidney form, but he would not stop smoking marijuana and drinking. So they're not going to give a kidney to someone that's actively using. I do have a huge family um, history with substance abuse. But these um, situations are the reason why I stay clean. I stay very, very active in my recovery. I surround myself with the best people. And um, it's been working for 23 years. Moment at a time sometimes. That, it, trust me, sometimes I feel like drinking or drugging because life is not going my way, which I think it should. And what I do is play that tape all the way back in my head. You know, I see myself picking up that first drink and uh, the end result would be jail, institutions, or death. You've been quoted as saying that you're a man restored by God, and of course our show is a faith-based program. Can you elaborate a little what you mean by a man restored by God and maybe share where you've experienced his hand in your life? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned uh, asking that question. I am restored by God. I remember the day that I turned my life around and gave my uh, life to God. I knew at that time I was going to be okay. I was going to be saving. He had his arms around me. That day came. I had three days sober, and a gentleman came into the rehab I was in and read the uh, poem of uh, your footprints. And uh, all this time that I thought I was alone, that I was being beaten down, that I was being left behind, that whole time uh, God was carrying me the whole way. Mm. And that spiritual awakening just, you know, you know, just turned my life around. And uh, I've been in the middle of the boat ever since. And um, this is what I do now. I just get back. You know, I have my own way of ministry. I'm not a minister, don't get me wrong, but everybody has their calling, and my calling is to uh, service uh, addicts and alcoholics who are suffering, you know, and that's my anointing, and that's what I'm good at. I'm restored by grace. You know, I'm here by grace. You know, I, I celebrate sometimes. I'm in the bonus round, but uh, then God is not done with me. That's why I'm still here, so I'm just doing His will on a daily basis. We're talking with Ron Dock here on the Beyond the Game program. Ron is an interventionist with the Daryl Strawberry Recovering Center. He spent 17 years as such with the New York Yankees. And you can learn more about Ron and all that he does at StarsAreSober.com. That's the letter R, StarsAreSober.com. Ron, when Dwight Gooden was making his comeback with the Yankees, there was a time that fatigue became a source of speculation after a relatively short outing. Yet, as the account goes, you dismissed that rather humorously by saying, what are you doing being fatigued if you only pitch every seven days? But you also said that he wasn't spiritually grounded anymore. His arm was dead because he was spiritually dead. How big a role does or perhaps can faith play in recovering from an addiction? You know, uh, recovery is uh, spiritually based. All the way. If you don't get your spirituality back, you're, you know, doomed to fail. And that was one of the uh, last things that came back to me. Because, like I said, I was angry. I was, why did you take me to Vietnam? You know, why my father left? But until I got, you know, really real with myself and, and let God in, that's when the uh, dramatic change in my life uh, started to occur. Dwight Gooden. You know, that's a, a different uh, situation, and I'm praying for him every day. He's doing good just for today. You know, that's all we have is right now. 
and I really don't want to, you know, discuss his uh, uh, walk with God because I feel that's for him to discuss. Sure. And uh, but uh, you know, we all pray for him. Daryl and I, we pray on a daily basis for everybody. And Darryl, and Dwight is definitely not prayer. Yankees outfielder Slade Heathcock credits you with having a role in his recovery and specifically for connecting him with Sam Marcinek, another one-time Yankee who overcame addiction. Sam and I have been part of the same missions trips, and I know faith plays a big part in his life. Were you involved in helping Sam in his recovery? Uh, yes, early on, and Sam used to scare me, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Sam used to be one rough gentleman, you know, real hostile, real angry, and matter of fact, I really didn't think he stood a chance, because that's how... Uh, out there he was, you know, and um, he went down to Dominican Republic one day and uh, with uh, John Zeller, who's a pastor here in Tampa. See, that day he was saved and he became a new creature, man. And, like, I love him to death. He's got a beautiful ministry going. He's giving back, giving back, giving back. But, yes, uh, and, again, Slade Heacock, that's another one I thought would probably lose his career, wind up in jail or dead. That's how uh, wild he was. But um, I had an idea, and I called Sam. And without thinking, Sam came to my office and said, where is he? I put him with uh, Slade Econ, and the rest is history. Uh, he found God, and uh, he's ministering to kids. He has a great little ministry going himself, uh, Slade. And I love him to death. I call him my stepson. You know, when you see these success stories come out, with many uh, calls to recovery, but very, very few are chosen. And I honestly believe, and I told Slade, uh, you've been anointed, you've been called to do a service, and it's not baseball. That's going to be your stepping stone. I used to tell that to Daryl. Uh, I told Daryl when he was in the gift of his addiction that he's going to do God's will alive or dead. But either way, you're going to be, going to be your minister. And he's one of the greatest ministers I, I know right now. He, he gives back unselfishly every day, every day. One of the most humble human beings I've ever met was Al Spielberg. Oh, that's great to hear. Ron, as you said earlier, your work with the Yankees wasn't just with star ball players, nor is your work always with substance addiction issues. In fact, from what I understand, addiction is the smaller percentage of your workload. You've also assisted in family situations, legal issues, even depression. Can such struggles with non-substance issues be early warning signs or red flags that could potentially lead to or trigger substance abuse issues? Absolutely. If you don't deal with what's going on at that time or, or dealing with what's going on with inside you, you there is a potential of masking that or medicating it or running away from it. And the first thing a person would do is pick up a drink, a drug, or something to uh, change the way they feel. This was uh, one of my cornerstones of uh, helping the organization. That's what, to me, intervention meant. If a, a player or staff member come to me, hey, listen, you know, I feel I couldn't because my girlfriend's home pregnant. You know, that's enough to make someone they're not strong enough drink or do something, you know, uh, that's going to be uh, detrimental to their careers. Or grief, you know, we've had, I've had uh, coaches who lost their uh, family members, their sons, their, you know, one coach lost his son, and that was a potential for anything to happen, you know, if they didn't, you know, get a handle on it. But um, if they don't deal with it right away, yes, that's what intermission is. Ron, is there anything we can pray about for you? Yes, uh, you can pray for my loving mother, who's 95 years old, you know, that she uh, continues with health. 
well, good, good health. And, um, you know, for the next person uh, that they find recovery, of course, we're in a dark time right now. There's an epidemic of heroin, and uh, the young people are really falling. But we losing people every day to uh, death, ODs, off, uh, especially the heroin that's coming out here right now. All right, will do. I want to thank you, Bart, Amen. for Amen. coming by the program, spending time with us today. It's It's really been a real privilege to talk with you. Thank you very much for having me. That's Ron Doc. Ron spent 17 years as the intervention coordinator with the New York Yankees. He's also the co-founder of the Daryl Strawberry Recovery Center. You know, I found it interesting when I asked him about his key to success in avoiding temptation. What he said was humility, good friends, and the examples of other people. I mean, you can build a whole sermon on those three things. Remaining humble, surrounding yourself with good quality people, and learning from the mistakes that other people make so you don't make those same mistakes. And those are things that apply not just to recovering addicts, but to just any person in everyday life. Those are great things to live by. That's a great point, Zach. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta here with you on this Star Wars weekend. This is Beyond the Game. Tim Hiller was striving for a prized roster spot with the Indianapolis Colts when six words changed everything. We have to let you go. In his new book, Strive, former collegiate and NFL quarterback Tim Hiller leads you on a year-long journey, taking small steps each week on the path to making your life matter and to developing more and more into the person God designed you to be. Strive by Tim Hiller, now available on Amazon or at timhiller.com. Hey, let me ask you, are you still seeing those pesky stink bugs around your home? Though the weather has been a little milder than normal, if you're still seeing them, it may mean that they've found a home with you. Listen, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, and they will take care of the problem. And they'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably. Seeing too many spiders around the house? Call Town & Country. Other creepy, crawly things move in out of the weather? Call Town & Country. Larger noises coming from the attic, walls, or basement? Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024. That's 426-5024. And when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you, Town & Country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have. Remember, Town & Country fears nothing but God. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions at 426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. It's not wise to upset a Wookiee. But sir, nobody worries about upsetting a droid. That's because a droid don't pull people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. Wookiees are known to do that. I see your point, sir. I suggest a new strategy, R2. Let the Wookiee win. Welcome back to Beyond the Game, celebrating the opening of the new Star Wars film. I'm sitting here across the studio from my producer, who is dressed as <laughs> Chewbacca and loving every minute. He couldn't wait to get this uh, Chewbacca suit on. It's Let's, a little warm. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> Let's play some shenanigans, Zach. I got a bad feeling about this. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. Let's do you're, it. You're going to throw out a couple of statements. I'll either agree, or, well, actually, we'll both do it. We'll either agree with your statements or we'll call shenanigans on them. Brief explanations only, so give us your first statement. 
Okay, after the dust has settled with all the recent trades and free agent signings this week, the Yankees will sign a free agent worth getting excited about. Shenanigans. Who's left to get excited about? I find your lack of faith disturbing. The Yankees seem very serious to want to stick to their payroll limits and uh, wait it out, really, I guess, is what they want to do until the big contracts come off the books in the next year or two. Unfortunately, I have to call shenanigans, too. Uh, Jason Hayward was the only one I thought made any sense, and he's off the board. I think at this point, you're looking at trades or going with the guys you have. Yeah, there's really nobody that would excite you at this point. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, a couple of players out there maybe that are nice pieces, but they're not they're not really going to move the meter. Anyway, next statement. The Jacksonville Jaguars are clearly the best team in a very bad AFC South, and they will make the playoffs. What's your thought? I guess I'm going to have to say a yes and a no. Yes, I think they are clearly the best team in that division, but unfortunately, they lose just about every possible tiebreaker in that division, so no, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. See, I was on the fence here, too. That's why I asked you what your thought was. And while I admit it's possible, I'll say shenanigans. I think Houston is the best team in that division. Uh, the Jaguars are a game behind. Two of the three games they have remaining are on the road. And one of those games is with Houston, who they're chasing and who handled the Jaguars pretty easily earlier in the season while that game was in Jacksonville. I'm going to have to call shenanigans on your answer being a little too long there, Benson. I'll go back and count my sentences. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you one mulligan, but finally. Well, now, we said three or four sentences. Is this a run-on sentence, perhaps? Maybe use of commas? I, I don't know. If you strategically use your <laughs> punctuation. That's true. Your sentence could be a page long. And my sentence is a page long. Well, all right. I stand corrected. Finally, Rex Ryan has already lost control of the Buffalo Bills. Agreed. Well, I like the hire at first. I, I, I did have doubts, though. I'll tell you that. I did have doubts. But I liked it. I played along with it. I, I thought it could be a nice fit in Buffalo. But since the latter part of the first half of the season, you know more than anybody, I've been, I'm all over this. Listen, it was clear. This is not going to work. Cut your losses, Buffalo. Move on while there's still a good amount of talent on the roster. I call shenanigans on him losing the team just because I don't think he ever really had control. From the beginning, they had penalty trouble. Guys were shooting off at the mouth. And I really think he the reason he's considered such a player's coach is he doesn't have any discipline enforced on his players. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. He's a player's coach. He has no control. They do whatever. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a, he's like, he's like that parent that's trying to be their kid's friend and be a playmate and they don't parent. Yeah. But he don't coach. And I look at other coaches around the league that are successful coaches. Would Bill Belichick let any of his players mouth off all week about his old team like LaShawn McCoy did? Of course not. No. No, none. I can't think of any coach in the NFL that I respect that would allow that kind of thing to go on. And it seems to be a weekly thing here in Buffalo. So, no, I don't think Rex Ryan ever had control of this team. So earlier this week, Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred announced that he will not be reinstating Pete Rose. The main reason for the decision apparently was Rose's admission that he still gambles today on horses and other sports, including baseball. The commissioner wrote in a five-page press release, In short, Mr. Rose has not presented credible evidence of a reconfigured life. Going on to say that, even more troubling in our interview, Rose initially denied betting on baseball currently, 
and only later in the interview did he clarify his response to admit such betting. So basically, Pete Rose lied. Again. He is as clumsy as he is stupid. If you're trying to get back into an old job or into an old club you had been kicked out of, lying's probably not the ideal way to go about it. Now, Rose is still able to work for Fox, or any other network for that matter. He's allowed to take part in on-field ceremonies. It's simply that he will not be allowed to work for any major league or minor league baseball team. And the Hall of Fame, which really seems to be the most important issue to Rose, it's a separate matter, and it's up to the Hall of Fame itself. Manfred even made a point to explain it is not up to him or anyone in his office to determine Hall of Fame eligibility. The problem for Rose is that the Hall, however, has always followed the league's ineligibility list. Rose seemed pretty resigned to the idea that the door is shut, that he's never going to work in baseball again. His play seems to be now to be building sympathy to get into the Hall. Rose's attorney, Mark Rosenbaum, said this week that it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Saints, and that the Hall of Fame by design represents performance on the field. You know, I'm inclined to agree. Rose's offense had nothing to do with the numbers he put up as a ball player. It was not a performance-enhancing drug that enabled him to perform at a higher level than maybe somebody who wasn't taking a drug. Yet, to be honest, if the Hall decided to never let him in, you know I'm okay with that too. He's a disgraced ball player. who ha He's got a history of mishandling things, specifically the issue of whether or not he was guilty. And because of his attitude, because of his stubbornness, if the Hall of Fame wants to distance themselves from Pete Rose, that's up to them. However, I think they need to be consistent, and the problem they have is that there are others that have a similar disrespected character, and they're already in. What are you going to do about those guys? Or what are you going to do about the next guy down the line who's a jerk or a liar or anything else? I think the Hall of Fame should be about what's accomplished on the field, but if the Hall of Fame decides that it's got a, a, a minimum criteria of accountability, you know, that's up to them. On Tuesday, Rose held a press conference outside his restaurant, the Pete Rose Sports Bar and Grill, in Las Vegas. We'll never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. His lawyer says he's a changed man. He's a repentant man. His life is under control. I tell you, baseball sure didn't seem to think he was a repentant man. And it seems to me that Las Vegas isn't the place to be holding a press conference to announce you've repented from your gambling addiction. And by the way, for how long have you been changed? Since that meeting this summer with Man with Manfred where you lied about the fact that you were still gambling on baseball? You know, if you're an alcoholic, it's not in your best interest to schedule your press conference at a bar. First Thessalonians 5.22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. You mean to tell me that someone didn't think this was a bad idea? Somebody didn't think to tell Pete that maybe we should hold the press conference in Cincinnati and not in Las Vegas? That almost anywhere that wasn't Las Vegas would have been better? I mean, man, it just doesn't look good. It just doesn't seem that Pete Rose has gotten the best advice over the years. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. How about getting some second opinions on this? How about asking a couple people, hey man, what do you think I ought to do? Somewhere along the line, somebody would have said, don't hold this thing in Las Vegas. Tell the truth. 
The guy needs a couple of good friends around him. I saw an interview with John Dowd, who led the investigation into Rose's betting on baseball, and he said they were prepared to offer Rose a deal. They had worked out a deal to satisfy his gambling debts. All that Rose would incur would be a negotiated tax bill. Wouldn't be going to jail, there'd be no charges against him. All this if only he were willing to admit his guilt. And allegedly, though a deal had been arranged, his lawyer at the last minute advised Rose to decline the deal because, after all, Pete Rose was a legend and he would ultimately be exonerated. I guess not so much, huh? And here's some more Bible for you because it's relevant. Romans 12.3 warns to not think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment. And later in that chapter, in verse 16, never be wise in your own sight. Maybe you thought a little too high of who you were. At the press conference this week, though, and obviously and obviously disappointed Pete Rose, he did say that he's not going to sit here on Las Vegas Boulevard and complain about something because I'm the one who screwed up. I made the mistake. Is it just me or do those words sound a little hollow? Seems like lip service. As if Rose is just saying the things that he believes the Hall of Fame wants to hear. If indeed he believed he messed up, he'd be turning away from the things he messed up. The things that he keeps messing up. If you're still gambling on baseball, you can't honestly tell me that you believe you messed up by gambling on baseball. What we're talking about is the act of repentance. And that's the final lesson I want to draw in this segment. Repentance is a biblical word. Let me give you some examples. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, God tells the nation of Israel in Ezekiel 18.30. Jesus warns in Luke 13.3 that unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And the Apostle Paul says in Acts 3.19, Repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. He says again in Acts 17.30, referring to God, that now he commands all people everywhere to repent. You can find the theme of repentance in many other areas of Scripture as well, so clearly it's important. And it was important to baseball. Baseball was looking to see a changed life in Pete Rose, and it did not. What Rose seemingly failed to do was simply to repent of his ways. The great evangelist Billy Graham says that the problem in today's society is too many churches are preaching the dignity of humanity rather than our depravity declaring our goodness rather than our wickedness. We have vindicated ourselves, he says, rather than confessed our guilt. Pete Rose is just a public example of what many people do in their own lives when it comes to their sin. There's a lack of honest, godly sorrow for sin. Let's face it, none of us wants to accept blame for our sins. Repentance is not only acknowledging the guilt of our sin, but turning away from it and changing our ways so that being fulfilled by our sins is something that's part of our past. Again, to quote Billy Graham, he says it might be well to notice first what repentance is not. And in full disclosure, what I'm sharing with you are thoughts taken directly out of one of Billy Graham's sermons because, I mean, it's, it's just relevant to this discussion. First, he says repentance is not penance. Penance is the voluntary suffering of punishment for sin. It does not necessarily involve a change of character or conduct, and this act does not mean that their guilt has been absolved. Second, repentance is not remorse. Judas was remorseful over his sin, 
that he betrayed Christ, but his regret led to suicide. It didn't lead to God. And third, repentance is not self-condemnation. You may hate yourself for your sinfulness, but self-condemnation only opens wider the wounds of, of guilt and despair. We should hate our sins, but we shouldn't hate ourselves. To no surprise, Billy Graham is absolutely correct on all three points. So what is repentance? There are three elements, Graham says, in genuine repentance. First, there's conviction. You must know what is right before you can know what is wrong. That's where the Bible comes in. If you get on the wrong road, you'll never know it's the wrong road until you have some knowledge of the right road, of things that you're supposed to be seeing, of of landmarks you're supposed to have passed. And you'll not turn back unless first there's a conviction that you are going the wrong way. Before men and women can come to the cross of Christ and have their sins forgiven, they first need to be convicted of their sins. The second element of true repentance is contrition. It is a sincere regret over past sins and a sincere desire to walk in a new path of righteousness. Brokenness is the second step towards true repentance. And finally, repentance means change. Changing your mind, changing your attitude, changing your ways. God has given the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross and shed his innocent blood for us. He then rose from the dead, victorious over the power of death. And he's provided the way of salvation from the penalty of sin. Just as John Dowd had worked things out for Pete Rose to avoid the penalty of his actions, he would have been free had he only been willing to admit his guilt and repent. He'd be back in baseball if only he would repent. What about you? Have you repented? Have you changed? Is your life different now than how it used to be? There is still hope, but that hope is only found in Christ. And there is forgiveness, but forgiveness too is found in Christ. It's found at the cross where he died for our sins. Has there been a moment in your life where you repented of sin and then by faith received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If not, you can do that today. Your life can be changed. Your sins can be forgiven. You can have the assurance that if you died in this moment, that you would be in heaven. Call out to God and ask him to forgive you. Share with him how sorrowful you are for your sins. Tell him you believe that Christ took the penalty of your sins and paid them in full on the cross. And place your faith in the grace and in the love of God that was displayed at the cross in Jesus' sacrifice. Declaring to God that from this point forward, you want to live to honor him. By making that decision today, he gives you eternal life with him in heaven, saving you from the torment and hell, forever trying to pay that debt of your sin. You know, if you made that decision, we'd love to hear about it. Won't you please let us know through our website? We'd like to be able to pray for you. You can find our website at btgprogram.com. I do hope you'll make that decision. I hope you'll place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. This is Beyond the Game. The new self-titled album from the Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, 
Their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify. Tim Hiller was striving for a prized roster spot with the Indianapolis Colts when six words changed everything. We have to let you go. In his new book, Strive, former collegiate and NFL quarterback Tim Hiller leads you on a year-long journey, taking small steps each week on the path to making your life matter and to developing more and more into the person God designed you to be. Strive by Tim Hiller, now available on Amazon or at timhiller.com. Look at him, he's heading for that small moon. I think I can get him before he gets there. He's almost in range. That's no moon. It's a space station. Christian Sports Medicine Alliance is a unique ministry using sports medicine to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And joining us now on the BTG studio line is Paul Waller. Paul is the president and founder of CSMA. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much, Rick. I appreciate it. You've been an athletic trainer for many years. You've also served on staff for a time with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It seems that CSMA is sort of a combination of those things. Can you share with us a bit about your ministry and what it is you do? Yeah, I will. I've been a, uh, been a licensed athletic trainer here in the state of Texas for uh, uh, about 20 years. I've worked my entire life in, uh, in the profession in, in the high school setting here in Texas. And did take a two-year um, uh, absence from uh, in athletic training to be on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in East Texas. And um, you know, SCA has uh, been is basically the foundation of my life. I mean, I, I grew up with SCA. I think SCA is probably the greatest, if not the greatest, sports ministry um, in the world. I mean, they do such great work. And uh, yeah, you're you'll be right. I mean, Fellowship of Christian Athletes and and uh, CSMA, Christian Sports Medicine Alliance, kind of go hand-in-hand. You know, FCA, their target market is, uh, and population is uh, to reach coaches, and our target is to reach the athletic trainers and any other sports medicine professional or student that, um, not only here in the U.S., but around the world. So, we're one of a kind. Uh, There's not really not another ministry that um, actively engages uh, on a daily basis the um, sports medicine community um, here in the U.S. Um, with the gospel. That's our intention. That's our mission. And our vision is to uh, make God known um, and, and share the hope that is found only in Jesus Christ with our fellow athletic trainers and other sports medicine professionals and students. From what I see on your webpage, CSMA has a part in a number of missions trips, both foreign and domestic. What kind of things will you and your team of athletic trainers do on the field and how does that create opportunities to talk about Jesus? Well, it depends on where we're going. It really, it really does. Internationally, we are in numerous countries, and the way we do our international work um, is we partner with uh, several sports ministries. Um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes is one of them. We uh, we work with um, FCA out of West Virginia to accompany them on uh, their uh, mission mission project to Israel in the West Bank, and also we are um, we partner with a group called Global Baseball. We work with the group called International Sports Federation. We also work with Score International out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. That when they send sports teams uh, on mission projects around the world, we go with them as their medical providers. And so we'll send a certified athletic trainer with them. And with that, we also send student athletic trainers in college to accompany the certified athletic trainer so, we, so that student can gain experience. Not only will serve the teams from the U.S., and 
care for the athletes and care for the coaches that, that are coming here from the U.S., but we also reach out and work with the, and develop the, the coaches and the athletes and the medical community within those countries that we're in. Um, one example is um, in Israel, uh, in the West Bank. We have been there three years. This will be our fourth year coming up in 2016. So we'll, we'll go into um, Bethlehem University. We'll do a um, lecture series on the care and prevention of athletic injuries and working with their students, working with uh, and just uh, reaching out to their athletic community. You know, it's the same thing here, uh, Rick, that, you know, athletic trainers were such a unique and specific profession that we can and we do engage athletes at a time in their life and their career that some of them may be facing that that challenge of, of, um, of maybe a life uh, career-ending injury that um, they may not see any any way out. Um, and we as an athletic trainer can provide them with the care, the knowledge, the experience, and the skill set to help them overcome those those challenges in life that they may, may be facing. And that just opens up doors for us and helps us develop relationships and build those relationships with those athletes and coaches and, and those medical professionals in those countries to, um, one, become a friend to them, and just show them um, who Jesus is. We believe that when we lift him up, he'll, he'll draw men to him. So um, and we're just able to be there and do what we do and share um, share Jesus with some of these student athletes because they're going to get hurt. And when they get hurt, we're the ones they're going to come to. I follow uh, Christian Sports Medicine Alliance on Facebook, and your posts are fantastically informative and interesting. Uh, in fact, not long ago, there was a post with a link to an article discussing 11 deaths this year of high school football players, uh, a few of those being related to heart-related issues. How common, Paul, are heart-related emergencies in amateur sports, and, and how can testing and early detection help? Well, it's funny to that. Not only am I the president of CSMA, but I'm also the um, secondary school testing um, consultant for um, a, a company called Wimbledon Health Partners. A lot of people don't realize this, but the number one killer of student-athletes in America is sudden cardiac arrest. There will be more student-athletes that will die because of sudden cardiac arrest than any other uh, injury or illness um, in America this coming year. So I believe I'm a very passionate about early detection. I'm very, very passionate about getting um, student-athletes uh, cardiac tested. It not only gives peace of mind to the parents, it helps the athletic trainer know who's at risk. It, it's saving lives, and and whether it's uh, you know doing the EKG, uh, doing EKG and multiple other tests, because we do three different tests, it's extremely important. And um, I believe that every athletic trainer, every student athlete in America should be have, have cardiac testing done somehow, some way. And I think it's just very vital. But there's stories upon stories every day. It seems like unfortunately that of students that are suffering, that have had um, heart related issues that ended up surviving because of the importance and because of the um, professionalism and the promptness of having an athletic trainer on their campus. And that athletic trainer being trained in CPR and having an AED readily available. Um, if schools don't have AEDs, they, um, they need to get one. But most importantly, having an athletic trainer on the campus, whether it be the high school or the college campus, is so very important. Um, we believe in our profession that every athlete deserves an athletic trainer uh, more than anything else um, because we are the the go-to person for in the frontline defense for any type of injuries or any type of tragedy that might happen uh, medically on a campus. We can handle those situations. We're talking with Paul Waller here on the Beyond the Game program. 
Paul is the president and founder of Christian Sports Medicine Alliance. You can find them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter at TweetCSMA. That's at TweetCSMA. A lot of attention, Paul, is being focused on the upcoming Will Smith movie, Concussion. While, of course, the NFL now has a concussion protocol in place, the effects of CTE are still being analyzed, and some are suggesting this movie will bring a lot of additional scrutiny to the NFL. But what about the amateur levels, especially among the youth? In your opinion, is there more that can be done to protect young players and better educate parents and coaches? Well, I don't know if there's I don't know if there's a whole lot more that can be done necessarily, but I do believe that better education of the parents, um, better education of the coaches, uh, teaching proper technique, uh, teaching you know how to how to make a tackle, how to make a proper tackle, um, are so very important. The brain at that age is so, is still in the develop, developmental stages, and it doesn't take much um, to sustain a a concussion. Uh, it doesn't take much when you get a concussion for that concussion to be severe. You know, that we'll go back to that article that you had read on our Facebook post that the, the rest of those students that had died, the majority of those were related to traumatic brain injury. Mm. That's, that's uncalled for. And again, it goes back to having a trained professional, trained medical professional that can, uh, that knows the signs and symptoms, knows what to be looking for, knows the proper tests to be done. In order and ensure the, um, the student athlete is not going back into to practice or going back into a game uh, too soon. Again, having an athletic trainer there to uh, reinforce um, the law, reinforce the protocol, reinforce the um, types of tests that we know are that we can um, not necessarily diagnose, but we can evaluate and assess a, um, and a concussion easier. Um, again, it's so very important. I mean, it's extremely important. Yeah, I've always appreciated that it was important, but since I've been following Christian Sports Medicine Alliance on Facebook and reading some of the articles that have been posted, it's reinforced just how important it is, not only to have quality medical attention, but available medical attention. Well, yeah, I mean, the challenge, I would think, for our profession is it's education, and it's education not only for us as professionals, but also education of the community. Um, letting them know, especially at the youth level, um, you know, you have your pop warner, you have your little league baseball, you have your sports levels that are, say, below the middle school level. I mean, even at the middle school level, educating those parents, ed- educating those administrators, educating those um, coaches on what we can do, you know, and getting them more comfortable with um, using an athletic trainer and referring them to the athletic trainer at the high school level. Because by the time they get to us, if they already have a working knowledge and an understanding of the skills and the um, the job description of an athletic trainer, then it makes us it makes it a whole lot easier. And it's a trust factor. It's a relationship. Once again, we're talking with Paul Waller of Christian Sports Medicine Alliance. What do you think would be the biggest need that your ministry currently faces? Um, I think with any nonprofit, I would get funding. Because our mission is so um, is so unique, um, and again, with us, it goes back to education. Of, we're not only educating people online, but we're also educating the community on who we're trying to reach. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but um, the athletic training community, the sports medicine community at large, um, is an unreached people group. To me, unreached is someone that doesn't have um, the gospel presented to them face-to-face. That could be your next-door neighbor. 
they're not reached, they're unreached. I believe that my profession, we're, we're unreached, and we want to reach our profession with the gospel. So funding is obviously our biggest need um, right now, um, reaching our, our funding goals so we can put full-time staff in, in place so we can go to those campuses and go to those, those high schools and those middle schools and those college campuses and work with those athletic trainers and, and encourage them and serve them and pray for them and pray with them and help them live out their faith on their campus. And there's so many. We, have, we just started a um, Facebook group, a private group for athletic trainers across the country. And in seven days, we went we went from zero to over five, almost 600 members in seven days. Wow. And these are athletic trainers that just want to be a part of something where they can openly share their faith. And the, the postings, if you could read it, Rick, the postings about people just struggling in their jobs and struggling with coaches and struggling with parents or struggling with just in their marriages or in their single life or just, I mean, is is great. And we as a ministry want to be that ministry to them and minister to their needs and serve them and, and, and just be a voice of encouragement and voice of blessing to them. So again, funding is our huge, is our biggest goal. We have a, a major, major ask for, um, for the end of the year, um, so we can reach our goal. And um, so, and it's, you know, we're asking for 75,000 to reach our goal for the, so, for, so we can go into 2016 being, I'm ready and set and go to um, to reach our campus. Now, I assume they can, folks can go to your website and make a donation. Do you want to give that website? Absolutely. Yep. It'll be www.christiansportsmed.org. Christiansportsmed.org. Yes, sir. And they can do that as a recurring gift, or they they want to shop online. We just it's kind of kind of funny. We. Uh, just have launched a new a new aspect on our website. It's called uh, Donate by Shopping. We have over 150 stores on a on a shopping tag on our website, so they can go in and choose stores to shop, do all their shopping online. And a percentage of their purchase will go to our ministry. And mm. um, we're going to be setting up different campaigns within our ministry of um, setting up scholarship funds for um, for high school kids and, and under and under the and, economically disadvantaged um, school system to help them uh, get into college to pursue athletic training. We are, um, set, we'll be setting up campaigns for our different mission projects to provide um, uh, medical supplies to these different countries that we go into. But, um, you know, right now it's just um, trying to reach our goal of 75000 to further our mission. Um, our mission is to uh, make God known in our profession and through our profession and sharing the hope that is only found in Jesus. Paul, how did you first become a believer in Jesus Christ? The FCA, through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was because of the ministry of FCA that I, that I, that I believe that I, I accepted Jesus. Like I said, I grew up with it in a little small town up north of Dallas, and that's the reason why I love the ministry. I believe in FCA, and I believe that Christian Sports Medicine Alliance and FCA kind of fit hand in hand, kind of like a hand in a glove. Because they're already there on the campus, we're there to help them and to serve them and to add to their ministry at the campus level to give them another another person, another adult, or another student that can get plugged into the huddle system at that campus level and just increase and impact the campus for Christ. There's so much that I'd like to ask you about, Paul, but we're running out of time. But before I let you go, uh, of course, financing, but how, how can we pray for you and how can we pray for your ministry? 
Um, just pray for our leadership, obviously myself and, and, and our other volunteer staff. There's not one paid person on our staff. Everybody's a volunteer, so that goes back to the funding aspect of it. But um, also pray for um, our athletic trainers across the country that um, are involved with our ministry, whether it be by volunteer or just following us on Twitter or Facebook or, you know, engaging us on our, on our group discussions. Um, pray for, I mean, we have a big, big um, 2016 coming up with, and we're going probably to almost 15 different countries this coming up summer. So we're asking for volunteers. We're asking for um, um, athletic trainers um, and student athletic trainers to join us and to uh, join us on one of our mission projects, whether it be domestically or internationally. They can find all those on our website, too. And, uh, again, like I said, just pray for leadership, pray for funding, and pray for our, our year coming up. Thanks so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And as I said, there's so much more I'd, I'd like to ask about, but un, under a time constraint. But if you'd be willing, I'd, I'd like to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Anytime. You let me know and I'll be there. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. That's Paul Waller of the Christian Sports Medicine Alliance at TweetCSMA on Twitter. Or check them out online, ChristianSportsMed.org. You can also find them on Facebook. Very informative, very interesting posts. At the end of every show, we go around the room and we give you our pest of the week. This isn't very, very bad. Well, that smells stinking with. This week, my pest is MSNBC's weekend host, Melissa Harris-Perry. Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. Last weekend, the so-called reporter shared why she thinks Star Wars is a racist film. She says the movie is about a black guy who was basically terrible when he was black. You know, cutting off white men's hands and stuff as well as not claiming his son. But then as soon as he claims his son and goes over to the good, he takes off his mask and lo and behold, he's white. I can't be sure if MSNBC was trying to be funny. It's always difficult when most of the network is a joke anyway. You watch your language. And the panel with her on the segment was either laughing with her or more than likely laughing at her. But I guess whatever it takes to get your name out there, Keep on fanning the flames of hatred and discord for your own benefit. MSNBC's Melissa Harris-Perry is my Pest of the Week. My Pest of the Week is the U.S. Women's National Team. Generally, I'm not a person to talk about soccer, but to lose and get shut out in Abby Wambeck's last game, it's embarrassing. She deserved better. Yeah, you don't send out the greatest of all time like that. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. We'll be away for the next two weeks. We're doomed but Zach has put together a couple of best-of shows, and we'll replay some of our favorite segments, our favorite interviews over the last year or so. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, or give them a call at 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson sent you. Merry Christmas to you. We hope you have a blessed holiday, a happy new year. Hope you get a chance to get out and see the new Star Wars film. (laughs) 